Awaken Your Alpha Woman. How to grow your own food to survive the pandemic, the apocalypse, or whatever is coming next. Marjorie Wildcraft. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. New weekly Awaken Your Alpha Woman show to be released every Monday on top of our regular Thursday show. Let us know if this is something you want more of through sharing, subscribing, and leaving us a review. This format will initially run for a few months while I see if the right host is ready to take over the show and how it is received by you, the listeners. Please do reach out, share, and let me know what you think. But let's dive into this one. This is powerful stuff. All right, Awakening Round for women out there and men. Let's dive into this one. And I've got some absolutely stunning, impressive, awesome alpha women coming for you every week, every Monday for the foreseeable future. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Hi, I'm Adam Lewis Walker, founder of Awaken Your Alpha, the number one personal leadership network that is also a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Tows and Tactics to Thrive, and also a TEDx talk, Awaken Your Alpha, How to Rise Up. You can see a theme here, but please do check these out. If you like the talk, if you like the podcast, you will love the book. The book is the best of the best, and it's available on Amazon. This podcast is brought to you by The Talk Accelerator, helping thought leaders increase influence, income, and impact by achieving their talk. If you'd like to find out more about how you can get onto the red spot, please do head over to talkaccelerator.com. That's talkaccelerator.com. How to secure and smash your own TEDx talk. You can also book in your complimentary idea clarity call there to talk through any potential ideas you may have. Get to the podcast. Okay, this week we have the founder of the Grow Network, Marjorie Wildcraft. Great name, I think it really fits with what we're going to be talking about. And she's featured in the Who's Who in America for her work in building deep community resilience, restoring heirloom genetics in gardens and livestock, and the return to natural medicine across the nation. I think this is really interesting and really relevant at this time when I think people want to stop going out to stores quite so much and actually you know, do some homegrown food. She also hosts the annual Homegrown Food Summit, which reaches 100,000 viewers every year. So there's lots we can dig into this one. Personally, this is going to be getting lots of ideas and resources for me and my family. So I'm very excited. Marjorie, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? I am. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> awesome. Your introduction, your bio could have gone on for a while. You've done a lot. It's lots of cool stuff. Is there anything you'd add to and highlight? I think you put, you said it best just before we started the official interview. What are you all about at the moment? Yeah, the Grow Network is an online community of people who are stopping the destruction of the earth via homegrown food. And uh, I'm really, really pleased. There's about 450,000 of us now. And, uh, you know, commercial agriculture is destroying the planet. It is the largest destructive plant uh, force on this planet. We're desertifying the middle of the U.S. Good knows what's happening down to South America, uh, all over Eurasia, uh, you know, just the, the way we've been treating the earth. And, and really, there's a very simple solution. <laughs> you know, just take off some of that load by, by growing it in your own backyard. Yeah, I love the way you put that. Just take off some of that load because the, the cumulative you know, impact of that is huge. And it's a harder co to convince people, right, go full on off the grid and create, like grow everything. That sounds very doable. Just take off some of that load. I, I talked about before, like just I love in the, in the summer, just eating my own lettuce, not having to buy it. I mean, there's financials around that, but also it tastes so much better and it feels so much better. And like you say, it's just taking off the load a little bit. And, you know, you can 
once you get a taste of this, I feel a lot of people will go further. But I think just taking a uh, you know a load off the the strain is is a good way to go about it. I wanted to ask you about your origins. How did you get to this point? Well, I grew up in Florida, so that's why I like the tropics. Uh, and I, I've had a really long, I'm like, I feel like a cat, you know, with like quite a few different lives. Um, my first degree was in engineering. Years ago, I met a man named Robert Kiyosaki long before he became famous oh. for Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I started a very successful real estate investment business in Austin, Texas. Uh, and um, I had, you know, was doing quite well, you know, had a lot of big investors. And uh, one day I got to looking at Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and their business model. And I said, oh, oh my God, I think we better get out of this, which was fortunately quite a few years before 2008. And we managed to mm -hmm. do it. And I could see that economic collapse was a certainty. And I thought 2008 would be it. And it wasn't. Thank goodness we had another decade past that. But I said, what happens in, 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 in economic collapse? I mean, do we all just keep doing the same thing, but push wheelbarrows full of money around? And in which case, if I get a wheelbarrow, I'll be good, right? You know, right? But it's <laughs> not like that. It's not like that at all. And, and yes, you, you should get very good with your self-defense and maybe get a, you know, a handle, learn how to handle a gun. Definitely, you know, some, some judo or whatever, you know, some personal self-defense things definitely get some medical skills. But the most important thing and the thing that I kept hearing again over and over and over again that I interviewed from survivors of different collapse situations and reading historical uh, journals and, and books is that people starve. That is the one thing that happens. The food supply has major, major issues. It's very difficult or it's very expensive. And I said, wow, okay, well, I'm going to learn how to grow food. And and it was, uh, it, that's really what started the whole grown up. Wow. Work. And just the timelines. Um, when was sort of that, that almost like the awakening moment, like, Hey, I'm going to start growing stuff or more stuff and really dive into that. What, what kind of era, what kind of timeline was that? Yeah, it was uh, right around 2003 actually. And I can tell you the story. It was uh, really amazing because I originally didn't want to grow my, you know, like, I don't want, who want, you know, grow my own food. No, I was going to organize all the local farmers. Right. So I got involved with a project uh, with the Texas Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. I was, you know, doing the real estate business in Texas, and we were winding that whole thing up as quickly as possible. But the project was to get local organic food into, uh, like, the local school system. And I said, this is just so great. And I'm absolutely going to volunteer and help this out and start learning to know all the local farmers. And it wasn't until the third meeting that the whole thing completely failed. I mean, it was a disaster. And at the third, up until then, it was like, yeah, this is going to happen. We got federal money. We got state money. The teachers wanted it. Even the students wanted it. Um, you know, everybody wanted it. Uh, and what, what caused it to fail was there weren't hardly, there was like only one or two organic farmers in all of Bastrop County. And Texas has big counties. And there just wasn't enough locally grown food to provide even part of the vegetables for one small rural elementary school. And I will never forget that night because I, I don't know how it all, it's sort of, sort of like everybody just disbanded, but I, I'll, my body shook for hours. I just shook. I remember putting the chairs up in the thing and, and just shaking because I knew there's only four days worth of food supply at any given moment in, in any uh, uh, city in the United States. 
And um, if there was any type of problem in the interruption in that, uh, you know, Austin had a million MSA, Houston has four or five million, San Antonio, three, four million, Dallas, three, four. I mean, there's a lot of people within just a few days. It will be very, very, very bad. So that's what really spurred me on to like, I really need to learn how to grow food. And then just as soon as you start learning how to grow food, the very first and the next realization you're going to have, you ain't going to do it on your own. You need to have community. Human beings, we're tribal fundamentally. We're tribal in nature. And we need, you know, um, we need just one example is like our family. Almost every family had like, uh, um, we, was only, we really only need about four or five families actually to really have a great life. But uh, we all had, you know, gardens and chickens. And then I loved rabbits and we had rabbits and we also had some cattle. So we had some beef. Just one neighbor who also had a similar assortment, but he had goats and um, bees, like boom, you know, all of a sudden I now have goat cheese and honey and he and goat meat and he had beef and rabbits and, and some fruits that, you know, so all of a sudden just two families and we, it, you know, so, you know, there's, everybody's got different skills. You're never going to be able to know it all. So that's why community is so important. And that is actually the genesis of the grow network. It's, it's, it's a community where we share information. And I really did foresee the crisis that we're in now. And that's what the Grow Network has been built upon. Like all the members of the Grow Network are people that have chosen this lifestyle for decades. They're very, very knowledgeable. And we all knew that at some point in time, there was going to be a rush of people who didn't know anything and that would want help. And so we've designed a bunch of products and then are, you know, have a whole lot of free stuff and just really there to get people started like that first time. Oh, those leaves turn yellow. What do you do? You know, like we're there, you know, so. <laughs> I love it. And I'm actually, I'm, I mean, I'm fortunate enough to be in an area of the world where, you know, land is relatively cheap and I'm looking at land. And I, I mentioned before, I want, I'm built, we've got a very small garden and I mean small and, and we, we don't need to have a small garden, but we're again that community thing. We're like my wife's mom just around the corner. She's got a bigger garden where she's growing throughout the summer. So we're working on that. And, but yeah, the, the, the real thought of, you know, getting some land and actually doing something a bit bigger and also i love that because i see the communities around here like you say people specialize in certain things and working together starting small is a really good thing though adam first of all it's a new thing you're having to learn and if you have something yes. like a 50 square foot bed four feet wide 12 and a half square feet you know i mean 12 12 and a half feet long you can grow an incredible amount of food in that space oh, and yeah. it's a lot better if it's small real close to the house so that you'll go out there yep, all the yep, time. Exactly, exactly. Real yep. manageable. I mean, you know, start really small. And it's amazing what you can grow in just 50 square feet or 100 square feet. And on top of that, a lot of pleasure as well. In the scenario where you say where it's close to the house and you can just pop out, it's not like you're mm -hmm. working a farm, which is a different game, is a different level, but that's, that's good. You and I have basically online businesses. And for me to get off the computer once an oh. hour, to go outside and just, you know, maybe do a bit of weeding or just look at something or take care of the chickens or, you know, you know, do something. You just two or three yeah. minutes. I like hour. building stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah exactly. I do want to talk about how the power of small things. So yeah. eggs, right? Like, let's say you have a, a backyard flock of chickens, right? And, um, you know, even with just six laying hens, a, a good laying hen in her prime will produce about 250 eggs in a year. 
So if you have six of them, that's 1,500 eggs in a year. You know, 365 wow. days a year, that's more eggs than you're going to need for breakfast every so you, day. Yeah, you have to give them, you have to have these links. You and have to give them away. And you know what? If one in every three families had a flock of backyard hens, we could completely dismantle the egg industry. Oh, I love that stat. I love that stat. Well, on that note, we get all our eggs from my, uh, my wife's auntie. She's got a little, like, little hen coop. And literally, she's like saying, anyone want it? She's trying to, like, for the whole of the family. So exactly like what you're talking about in practicality, the whole of the family, she's like, do you need any more eggs? Do you need any more eggs? And like, that's where we get all our eggs. Because like you say, yeah. there's, there's that constant production. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, those horrible, I, I just, the meat industry and the, and the animal product is just so horrifying to me. The, what they, the conditions that those hens are, are living in and the crap they're being fed and you know it's really one in every three families has a flock of backyard hens and we can completely uh completely change that around those hens would be having wonderful productive lives and super appreciated and loved and yeah so uh so much power that you could have just in your backyard yeah and so you talked about a situation that kind of really brought you to go down this growing route was there ever a particular figure, either from afar or someone who bumped into, who said the right thing at the right time, really helped awaken your growing alpha, I should say, in, in this realm and really helped inspire you to take it to this level? It was actually, I was homeschooling and homesteading and, you know, growing food and raising my kids. And I had just really turned away from the business world. I said, you know, money, I, I, I'm just not interested in it anymore. I, I, I felt betrayed by that whole system. And, you know, we're watching the nature shows with my kids they were talking about, you know, oh, the, the habitat destruction and how these animals, there were, there's so many of them are going extinct and, and that so much of it was because of commercial agriculture. And I was out in my garden and I just, I just was so heartbroken over what were, you know, the more you learn about how commercial agriculture works, it's so bad and the things it produces is toxic for your body. And I was so distraught about it and I was there in my garden. I'm looking like, here's the garden, here's the chickens, here's the rabbits. You know, I'm growing at least half of our own food and it doesn't take that long. And I'm like, this is the solution right here. And then I had this thought, I, I call it a forbidden thought because when, when, when I first thought it, I was like, oh no, <laughs> I go, oh no. <laughs> and that thought was, we could stop the destruction. I could stop the destruction of the earth if I could get enough people to live this lifestyle we could stop this insane destruction. And, you know, there I am, I'm barefoot, a mother of two, half the time with dirt under my nails, you know, way living out on the end of a dirt road. And I thought, how in the heck could one woman possibly make any difference at all? And that's just insane, Marjorie. And that is megalomaniacal, girl. You got to get over that. And then I said, you know what? I honestly don't care. Like, even if it's only just me, this is the way I want to live and what I want to do. And I, I remember that day when I made that decision and I just said, I'm going to do, and then good grief, when you make a choice like that, you better hang on because you're fixing to get in a, you're fixing <laughs> to get on the roller coaster, you know? And it was like, oh my God, I've had to learn digital marketing and I've had to learn about building organizations and hiring and and management and, you know, just all kinds of, uh, you know, negotiations and contracts and lawyers, and, you know, all kinds of stuff that you would never 
videography, how to be comfortable on camera, you know, how to speak in sound bites, you know, just all kinds of stuff you never thought you would need to know. Yeah, when and it comes uh, to homegrown. Yeah. <laughs> right. but the movement has been amazing and i've been so rewarded by so many people resonate with that message they're also really fundamentally i would say a piece of advice i have for people if you want to get in touch with your purpose get in touch with what you're most angry about and the destruction Mm. of this planet hurts me at such a core level i mean if i'm ever discouraged or and believe me you get discouraged when you start something like this you know I just go, well, what if I stop? And then I'm going, well, I can't stop. And you've been featured, like you said, watching nature shows, you've been featured on National Geographic and cool, I mean, I would think very cool stuff like that. I, I love that sort of stuff as well. And for like off-grid living, when do you feel like you went off-grid living? Are you, would you class yourself as fully off-grid living? Talk to us about that concept. Cause I know some people are like, whoa, that's a step too far. That's when you're, you know, and like, yeah. and I know we're talking about the middle ground, like taking the burden off, you know, just doing a little bit and then seeing how far you go. When did you go full on to that and talk to us about how, how you, you know, moved to Costa Rica as well? Is that linked to going fully off the grid or how does it all fit together? Yeah, it, it's Puerto Rico, but uh, I did not no, recommend. <laughs> yeah, I did not recommend going fully off grid. It really is a lot harder than you would think. I mean, it just really is. I mean, just managing uh, your electrical usages to the solar panels you have, you know, you suddenly have to make decisions about do you want the refrigerator going or you're going to watch a movie tonight. I mean, there's, uh, you know, or do you have enough money to buy more solar panels? So it really is a level of difficulty that that I don't think most people want. And I don't think you mm. should have to have unless it's really, did, you know, forced upon us. Yeah. Which... Did you experience that for, a, did you try it? Did you have yeah, to go yeah, give for, it a little try? For a while, yeah, we did for a while. And it really was too hard. The other thing of, you know, like uh, composting your own feces, right? Uh, com- yeah. You know, um, great concept. And you've got a lot of valuable stuff there that you can recycle. But the practicality of it, is it's a lot of work for not a lot of production and you know just have a septic tank and let some guys pump that out every couple of you know every year or so yeah. right it's just a lot easier and while and and choose how you use your energy the most wisely mm. so you know but really now what i really recommend for people is start building up your skills enough you know start with a, a small garden then get some backyard chickens and then maybe get a small rabbit tree and with those three components, you can be producing half of your own food. And it really only takes about an hour a day on average when you average it wow. all out. And that is huge. That in itself is huge. As I said, we could completely shut down the uh, egg industry, take a huge load off of all those poor animals in the commercial meat industry. Your nutrition, your health, your vibrancy, you're going to notice it. Believe me. I've had incredible health uh, transformations and really it's that, that is huge and it doesn't take that much and it's the most enjoyable hour, hour you'll have of your day. So, and you know, the great thing about growing half of your own food is you still involve the family in that. And it's, it's, it's actually really a beneficial thing. It's not like a hardship or a, a sacrifice. It's actually an incredible, uh, um, you know, it's a, it's an, a, it's an ad. It's a plus. <laughs> yeah. So you talked about, you know, getting a small garden going, chickens, 
rabbits. I mean, I'm like, I obviously, I simply vegetables, obviously eggs and uh, rabbits. Are you, are you a big rabbit eater? Or that side of things? I love is, rabbit you... meat. Yeah, yeah. And people, I'm, rabbits are the hardest. Most people go, uh, you kill any rabbit? And yes, I do. And believe me, I started out as a veggie. Actually, I was a raw vegan at a period of time. I started okay. out at, but really, to be honest with you, rabbits, uh, they, well, they breed like rabbits. I was going to say, they, I was say they produce. <laughs> wow. Yeah. They produce. You get a lot of meat, uh, really one buck and three breeding does, uh, and, and then some, some room to grow up the babies. And it's a very small amount of space. They're very quiet. Uh, their, their pellets are really, really beneficial to your garden. Um, rabbit, anything, any of your chicken recipes, you can use rabbit in. In fact, many, many times I've served rabbit to people and I forgot to tell them and they just assumed it was chicken. Um, and even, you know, uh, even uh, processing them, you know, really it only takes me about 15 or 20 minutes and I'm not that good at it. Guys who do that professionally do it in about three minutes. So uh, it's a very, you know, that, that, in fact, the whole system of growing half of your own food is off-grid in a way that the garden doesn't need refrigeration. You just pick things fresh. The eggs don't really need refrigeration. People refrigerate eggs here in the U.S. You don't need to. They'll store just fine mm -hmm. for, for yeah. several weeks. Um, and then with the rabbit, you would just eat, you know, process the rabbit when you needed it for that night. Take the leftover meat and bones and put it on the stock pot on the back of the stove yeah. uh, and, and or on the back of a small fire. Um, and then have it for soup the next day. I mean, so you, yeah. you, I, I can you, see why you say that the rabbits is the only one that makes people pause because I'm like, yep, garden, chickens, yep, eggs, good. Rabbits, I definitely eat them. And it's just like, and I'm not even, I'm, I'm okay with doing the, the, the messy stuff and the nitty gritty. We're also thinking, oh my God, my two young boys, they're going to have at least a little bit of acclimatization, a bit of an issue with that for a while. What is yeah, the easiest way to humanely the rabbit? <laughs> yes, we all want a very swift passing and that's 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 what we aim to do so you take a broomstick and you you put it uh, put the rabbit down flat on the ground and put the broomstick over its neck and pull up the back legs really really quickly so you okay. break the neck and, okay. and then it's then there's no feeling anymore and it just only takes a minute or two and 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 they're gone and you know i have two kids and uh, actually kids that are raised with this if you do it at a very early age it's natural in that garden, more specifically, what some are some of the things we like? That's a that's a staple. Start with like some lettuce, or start with this. Start with that, just to kind of get this this nice mix. Obviously, there might be some holes, but kind of just to get you know, so you're not doing too much of one thing, and you're kind of lopsided, and you've got loads of something and not enough. I, I like the yeah. these three things. But in that vegetable garden, what sort of things would be like for a beginner starter, or some of the things that really you know produce and are maybe not crazy amounts of effort. Right. Right. Well, I do first want to say, first of all, uh, grow what you love, like, because what you love, you're going to like, love is a huge part of this whole thing. I mean, it really is. Your plants will grow better. They'll respond better. You know, things that I don't like to eat, I tend to have a hard time growing. And, and, mm. you know, that's common sense. I mean, they're sentient beings. They're, they're, they know what's going, they feel you. And, and on the other hand, I want to say, I have done enough gardening with kids at school. I mean, really, these kids like thought that a Lunchable was a great meal and they had never eaten vegetables. And we grew this <laughs> garden bed of like kale and radishes and turnips and chard. And I thought, oh, God, this is going to be the biggest failure ever because these kids have never 
and they loved it. I gave them little cups of ranch dressing. They dipped, showed them how to harvest the leaves and dip it. And after a while, they dropped the ranch dressing and just during recess, they would go graze on those greens. So if you've never eaten homegrown food, you, you know, you might say, oh, I don't like squash or zucchini. That, you really haven't ever eaten squash or zucchini if you haven't eaten homegrown food. So uh, grow the easiest one. If you've never grown anything, grow the easiest ones and try them out and you know expand your 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 taste buds are going to discover new mm. universes here so some of the easiest ones uh you know kale and chard radishes super easy mushroom uh i'm sorry mustards uh super easy to grow they're greens uh squash is really easy to grow either the yellow squash the summer squash or zucchini um, the, the winter squash, they, they take over. They're megalomaniacal plants. They love to, you know, you need a lot of room for them or trellis them, but they're also really easy to grow. Um, you know, potatoes, surprisingly, also really easy to grow. Carrots, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of them that are actually pretty, pretty good. A couple of keys, though. I really recommend getting a raised bed. And really, what does it take? 80 cinder blocks to make you know interesting because this uh, is the discussion with me and my wife are having at the moment like raised or not raised and we i really want to hear your thoughts on this because we were mainly thinking raised obviously you, you don't hurt your back so much there's more work in setting it up but i want to hear some of the other benefits because we are on the border between the two <laughs> yeah well the other thing i'd really recommend because most people do not have good soil in their background in in their backyard no matter what yeah. you're thinking you don't and, and here, real simple reason why, when this country, the United States, was founded, or any, any place that was founded, uh, people back then, that is 100 years, 150 years, 200 years ago, they had common sense, and they had to grow their own food if they wanted to eat. And so they would find places with really good soil and close water, because that's what you need to grow food, right? Those ended up being... Austin or Dallas or Houston, you know, and now they're completely concreted over. And I promise you where you are out in the burbs, they never settled there because the soil's not that good. I would say go with raised beds. You don't even, you know, just stack those cinder blocks in place. And if you ever need to move it, you can, but invest in as high a quality soil as you can, and then have that in those raised beds. And then that's just your soil that you take care of them. And it's a little bit contained and the mm. higher the quality soil that has nutrients, that has life, that has vitality, that's what gets transferred to the plants. That kind of soil holds water better, so it's, it's more uh, forgiving of your erratic watering schedule. Um, it has more nutrients, so the plants will be stronger and more resistant to insects. Um, you know, it, it, the food is going to be more flavorable. Uh, flavorful because that's where the deep tastes come from is when there's really good minerals in the soil and the plants transmute that buy the best quality soil you can now you can build soil and you're going to always need to be regenerating your soil with compost but i really recommend for success in the beginning go with just a 50 square foot raised bed and buy as good a quality soil as you can and i'm very curious about the challenges with for example, an area like this in the summer, wow, you can grow stuff. I mean, and obviously I'm sure you can in the winter with some kind of greenhouse, but obviously it gets very cold. Five months of the year, you may have snow on the ground here and it gets super cold. What are your mm -hmm. thoughts for, you know, this um, sustainable living, taking the edge off and also growing? Because I know the majority of people, not all of them, but the majority of people who grow in the summer or in the spring and this period just kind of shut up shop in the winter. 
Um, and some obviously do go through the winter in, in some way, shape or form. What are your thoughts about that? If someone's like, yeah, I want this part of my lifestyle. I'm in an environment, it gets very cold. <laughs> like what are your yeah. thoughts around challenging that? Yeah. So it's not down tools and pick them up again in the spring. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the, the, the strategy in the more Northern climates is to grow a huge amount in the summer, can okay. it, freeze it, dry it, whatever. Uh, and in the wintertime, you can have a lot going on. So, for example, I would grow the carrots. I grow my carrots, you know, in the summer and in the fall. And then I just leave them in the ground but covered so they don't freeze, you know, covered with a thick layer of mulch. And then as I need those carrots, I just pull them out through the wintertime. They actually just store wow. in the ground there. There's That's also, cool. you know, you, you can build a little mini greenhouse with, you know, just some rebar or PVC and, and put some plastic over it and get and then the greens, like, you know, the kale or the broccoli, you can keep them extended on for quite a few months, even, mm. in, the, even in the snow. I mean, when it gets into the bitter cold, uh, you, you're not going to make it. But you can have give, it. Give it a break. Yeah. <laughs> give it a lot longer. And in the winter months, you know, there's also things like sprouts and things that you can just grow inside on the house. And it doesn't really even need a lot of sunlight. I will say uh, a greenhouse is an awesome thing. And uh, everywhere I have traveled, you need greenhouses for one reason or another. I mean, in the far north, you know, obviously for heat and to grow things uh, during the wintertime. But even in like Puerto Rico or Costa Rica, they use greenhouses to keep the rain off. Mm. Uh, so there's a lot of different reasons you want to have a, a greenhouse. Um, but, you know, I mean, get started, first of all, with those gardens and those chickens and those rabbits. You know, figure out how to have them go throughout the year and then expand but that's the fun oh my god you can grow such great like i mean grow what you love like if you love pizza grow tomatoes and basil and onions you know uh, and oh, you can learn yeah. how to grow mushrooms you know if you love beer we'll figure out how to grow hops and barley and oh then, now we're talking now we're talking yeah. <laughs> and then send me some of the pints i can't wait till you get it yeah, done you know? wow I mean, Right? There's so much. Man, I'm getting do. the vision now. This is like you say, <laughs> growing what you love. As soon as you mentioned beer, I, I think I was sold. Yeah. Right? <laughs> this is you great. This is great. You know, you can do that's one of the reasons I'm in Puerto Rico. People go, dude, why'd you move to Puerto Rico? I'm like, because chocolate grows on trees here. And I'm addicted. I love chocolate. I mean, the man they, is my favorite. So, <laughs> that kind of amazing. ends the conversation. No one has a follow-up question to when you say this chocolate <laughs> grows on trees. Be like, okay, I get that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, we're going to start to wrap up with the alpha round. And I'd like to start that off with, is there a particular favorite quote that really kind of sums up your approach to life? Yeah, Margaret Mead, uh, when she said, never doubt the power of a small group of committed citizens to change the world, because indeed, that's all that ever has. And is there a yeah. particular book recommendation outside of your own books? Uh, maybe mm -hmm. you can pop one of them in. Uh, but is there a particular book recommendation that you think is either a really impactful read for you or you just think is a really good recommendation in general or specifically about this subject? Well, specifically about this subject, I would highly recommend John Jevons' How to Grow More Vegetables than you ever thought possible in less space than you can imagine. <laughs> Long that title. Sounds, yes, uh, sounds good though. <laughs> everybody's got that book on their bookshelves and as a beginner you'll refer to it but as you mature and age of the charts and the data he has in there you'll keep forever so it's an awesome book ah and on a personal level um i did a lot of work I, I, you know who i'm reading right now is dr joe dispenza on uh, becoming supernatural and from your network and you mentioned some great authors and people have inspired you as well 
Who do you think would be a great interview for Awaken Your Alpha having gone through the bulk of the interview? Gosh, yeah, I don't know if you could get Dr. Joe on there, but he is really quite amazing. He's, uh, he's really got uh, a whole new set of distinctions. I'll, I'll go for him. I'll put him on the list. <laughs> because, yeah, that would be, be a good one. And if people want to continue the conversation, what's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, you know, if you want to learn how to grow half, we have a really simple video that we show for free. And then there's a whole bunch of resources that come with it at www.growhalf.com. At, at growhalf.com. Awesome. And uh, yeah, it's a fun little video and then a bunch of ebooks and stuff to help you get started. And yeah, we're really, we're really on this passion to stop the destruction of the earth for your homegrown food. So, <laughs> and in an entrepreneurial sense, I have to give, you know, I mentioned, you know, you got your well known for your DVD series, Grow Your Own Groceries, which sold over half a million copies, which I'm like, yeah. wow, that's awesome. Half a million copies in, in of, of selling anything. That's, you know, that's an achievement. That's very cool. It blew me away. I was like, wow. You know, I thought, it, you know, it, you know, you never know when you're an author or creator and you kind of, I think this, I mean, this is good. I think this is good. It's my best, you know, and then you, but you put it out there in the world and, you know, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate you having me on. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless. This podcast is brought to you by The Talk Accelerator, helping thought leaders increase influence, income, and impact by achieving their talk. The Talk Accelerator program, how to secure and smash your own TEDx talk. If you'd like to find out more about how you can get onto the red spot, please do head over to talkaccelerator.com. That's talkx. C-E-L-E-R-A-T-O-R.com. You can also book in your complimentary idea clarity call there to talk through any potential ideas you may have. What is your idea worth sharing? I'd love to hear about it and I'd love to speak with you very soon.